It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Glad you're here after an exciting week of college football and NFL football yesterday. Uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous day. I don't know if there's ever been a better October day um, in the history of Louisville weather. Perfect outside. Hopefully you've gotten a chance to spend some time out there. If not, make some time later this evening. Plenty to talk about today, and obviously we're going to start the show talking about Kentucky's loss to Mississippi State. Uh, a lot to take away in that from that game. Kentucky had its chances. And like I talked about on the show last week, the defense couldn't – it was silly to think Kentucky's defense could completely stop Mississippi State. That The defense couldn't have won the game through the first three quarters. And that held true. Uh, but I felt that the defense did enough to, to keep UK's offense in the game. And for the most part, UK's offense did enough to keep itself in the game. Uh, it, it was playing along in the shootout. And credit to UK's defense when they needed to absolutely get stops. When Mississippi State was up 14, uh, they never allowed that lead to grow. And UK's offense would be able to get it from 14 to 7 just the two times that they had the ball. And they were down 7. They were unable to close that gap uh, completely. But a very exciting game. We're going to talk plenty about that today on the show. Uh, plenty more to talk about. The blue-white scrimmage for UK is tonight, 7 o'clock. John Calipari released the platoons uh, that he will be using. And my take is that's just the platoons he's using tonight, not necessarily on the season, uh, but we'll talk plenty about that. Louisville has uh, completed another red-white scrimmage. Yesterday at the KFC Yum Center, we'll talk a little bit about that. And plenty more. Very exciting week. A very exciting football week. Kentucky, a huge game against Missouri this weekend, and then obviously Louisville's matchup against Florida State on Thursday uh, should be the talk of the town here the next few days. Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Doing well. Did you watch the season finale of Boardwalk Empire? Of course I did. I didn't like it. Why? I didn't. I just had to, it was it was very predictable. I, I guess the, maybe the the very last part, uh, the one of the last sentences wasn't predictable, but everything was predictable, um, and also just kind of sad. You would have liked to see maybe a little bit of somebody having a happy ending, uh, but certainly wasn't the case. Well, I mean, it's it's difficult with a show like that because. A lot of it is predicated by things that actually happened. So, I mean, Nucky's not going to beat Luciano and Lansky because that just didn't happen. So, I mean, you can't do that. Uh, I did think that, and I don't. Spoiler alert: If you haven't watched it yet, don't don't listen. I'll give you a chance to to turn your radio down or whatever. I did think that Nucky would help out. Jillian, I was a little disappointed that he didn't help her get out of the asylum, but 
I mean, aside from that, I, I thought that overall it was a pretty good finale, pretty good way to end the series. It was well done. The entire last season was really well done. But and you're right. I mean, they had they had to follow history and what actually happened. Um, but I don't know. It, it, the whole season was basically just a a good a goodbye, one long goodbye where your favorite characters saw their death to an extent. And again, really well done, and I'm glad I got back on it. I had stopped watching after a few episodes in the fourth season, uh, and I didn't stop watching because I didn't like it. I just kind of forgot about it or moved on to something else, but I'm glad I stuck with it. Um, All in all, a a good series, and I I guess they probably ended it when they needed to. I just, I don't know. I I wish somebody would have came out on top. Not the case, though. Um, more TV talk before we get into the thick of the sports. Walking Dead has actually been all right this year. Kind of surprised by it. Uh, I'm probably the... I've criticized Walking Dead more than maybe any other show on TV, and I've felt that at times it's maybe the most overrated show on TV. Uh, But they're off to a pretty good season so far. They've never been lacking exciting episodes. Whenever they've wanted to have a really good, exciting, action-packed episode, they've been able to do it. It's just doing that, mixing them with the storyline, they haven't really figured out to put two and two together. To advance the story, they generally have had boring episodes, and to get you drawn back in, they've had exciting episodes. But they've done a pretty good job of doing both so far, so I'm sticking around. I keep saying I'm sticking around. I'm not going to stop watching that show unless... It ends because I'm already pot committed to it, but but whatever. We, we've gotten some cl- complaints, Yates, about the boardwalk spoilers. I said spoiler alert, and I gave people a chance to turn down the radio. You sure did. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I apologize I if I spoiled it for people, but I did warn you. And I, the spoiler I gave, I, I think, was a Fairly minor one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and again, it's I, I feel most people kind of... The show was pretty predictable throughout, for the most part, uh, especially this last season. Some surprises here and there before then, and maybe a few in this season, but for the most part, pretty pretty predictable. So, I was thinking that what are we going to talk about now? We didn't talk boardwalk every Monday like we did Game of Thrones, but we might just have to wait till Game of Thrones before we can get involved in TV and have a nice long segment, long commercial. Uh, anyways, well, let's let's go to sports real fast. Uh, rapid reaction to Saturday's loss, Kentucky's loss to Mississippi State was, and, and this was kind of funny, and I, I did have some people on our message boards bring this up. Uh, I was based on, on, on the message boards and on Twitter, was pretty optimistic about the loss and you know had more nice things to say about negative things to say. And a lot of people pointed out, how can you, it seems like you're accepting UK's loss as a moral victory, where after the Florida game, you were ripping people for doing the same. And a fair point, but I, I'm not accepting UK's loss to Mississippi State as a moral victory. I, I'm not. But Kentucky just got, 
beat by a better team. They got outplayed by a better team, and and but they never they never gave up. They kept their heads up throughout the game. Anytime Mississippi State would throw a punch at them, they'd punch back. They just could never get close the gap, despite some of their best efforts. And, and really, they didn't even necessarily play their best game. Mississippi State didn't play their best game either. So I guess that was a wash in that sense. But at the end of the day, uh, Kentucky played extremely hard, fought, and lost. And you could say the you could make the same case about the Florida game. Kentucky hasn't lost to Mississippi State for you know 27 years. It, it is six now, which is uh, too much to a team like too many times to lose to a team like Mississippi State. But it's not 27 times like the Florida game. And again, Kentucky showed great fight in Gainesville. It was a hard-fought game. They went back and forth, and you know, took it to Florida, t- took their best punch. But at the end of the day, there's no way you could you couldn't watch that Florida Kentucky game and not think that Kentucky outplayed Florida, made the bigger plays in the mo- in the more crucial times, but still lost the game. So that was the difference between those two games, and I genuinely feel that Kentucky is a better team than Florida. So they were the better team and they played better, yet they didn't lose. And Kentucky fans were happy about it or or saying that, you know, it was a moral victory. That wasn't okay. But the Mississippi State game, they were outplayed, outcoached, but still had chances to win that game. Now that's reason to be optimistic about the future. Again, you can't be necessarily thrilled with a loss, but it is the number one team in the country. And they're just obviously the more talented team right now. So that's the difference for me of why I was a little bit more optimistic about, uh, and, you know, generally tweeting out more positive things after the Florida or after the Mississippi state game versus the Florida game. Anyways, Patrick Tolls, what a game for him. Just went toe-to-toe with Dak Prescott, where if Kentucky was maybe a more popular college football team and had received a, a bit more attention throughout the year, that game on CBS uh, it would have been a class. I mean, was an absolute classic. Now you see the score and Kentucky ended up losing by 14. Anybody that watched that game down seven with under three minutes to play going for an onside kick, Kentucky has a good chance to tie that game up if they get the onside kick or even if they don't get the onside kick and it's not returned for a touchdown. They did have two timeouts. If they could have prevented Mississippi State from getting the first down, they would have gotten the ball back. And the way Patrick Tolles was playing, uh, you know, ifs and buts, but a fun matchup if you like watching good quarterbacks. Patrick Tolles threw for 390 yards, two touchdowns, a lot of really nice throws in there. Also, also UK's leading rusher was 76 yards, two touchdowns. Dak Prescott. Heisman candidate, 
threw for 216 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And he rushed for 88 yards. So really, Patrick Tolles outplayed Dak Prescott in that game. And certainly, Patrick Tolles didn't have the luxury of a guy like Josh Robinson, who, my goodness, missed tackle after missed tackle. And, and the thing is, you know, those are some huge mistakes by UK's defense on several different different occasions. But credit to Josh Robinson. Now, he just looked like a very hard guy to tackle. And I guess, you know, you got to put some blame on UK for not being prepared for his running style. But just literally like a bowling ball, bouncing off guys to guys and just never stopped his legs from moving. That's an NFL running back right there. He was the difference in the game for Mississippi State and the reason why they're coming away as the number one team heading into this week. 198 yards rushing, two touchdowns, an average of 8.6 yards per carry on 23 carries. Just unbelievable. And it, it you've seen running backs have big games against Kentucky this year. That doesn't bode well uh, for when Georgia comes to town for UK Senior Day, which if you didn't know, that was announced today as a noon game. Uh, bugging Kentucky fans, understandably. UK wanted their senior day to obviously be a night game. That's going to make for a better atmosphere. Let's talk a little bit about why that is a noon game. CBS decided that they're going to get two games. They can do that. Uh, They're going to take two games, and they decided for their 3.30 game, they're going to take Auburn at Texas A&M. For their 8 o'clock game, they're going to go Alabama-LSU. Alabama-LSU, that's a no-brainer. Now, if they were going to take two CBS games, I could make a case that Kentucky-Georgia would be better than Texas A&M-Auburn. And remember, Mississippi State and Kentucky, both football schools that don't have as big of fan bases as other schools in the SEC, was the most-watched game on Saturday. The most-watched college football game, Mississippi State-Kentucky. And obviously, it was in primetime. But you can make a case that Kentucky-Georgia on November 8th would be a better game than Auburn at Texas A&M. Auburn-Texas A&M, again, bigger fan bases. More people would be more uh, willing, I think, to maybe watch that game. But Kentucky-Georgia, if Kentucky can go into Columbia, Missouri, win that game, that Kentucky-Georgia game will be for the SEC East. If Kentucky wins, it'll still have to beat Tennessee. And if Georgia wins, then they'll pretty much have the SEC East wrapped up right then and there. So, I I disagree with CBS's decision, but as you have it, that's where they went. So at that point, since CBS took two games, that left one game for ESPN to pick, and they get the next pick. And then after that, it's SEC Network which is a product of ESPN. but So ESPN's first pick was Kentucky-Georgia. And the reason they put that game up at noon is because they didn't want to compete with the LSU-Alabama game. And that went to SEC Network, which is Florida-Vanderbilt maybe. 
It's not a good game, whatever it is. So in hindsight, it makes sense, and it's actually a compliment to Florida, Georgia, or Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, Georgia play this week. So it's a compliment to Kentucky and Georgia, although it's not ideal for Kentucky fans that wanted to maybe booze a little bit and have a, a, a very raucous atmosphere on Saturday, two Saturdays. But there's no excuse for that crowd not to be big, especially if Kentucky beats Missouri. Even if they don't, that should be another big crowd. Uh, and, and we saw the the crowd, the bar was set. Saturday's crowd and environment was what it should be for Kentucky football games. Uh, I guess it's unrealistic to say every week, but certainly for every SEC game. That was what Mark Stoops was looking for and wants. And that's the crowd that will bring recruits to Kentucky. A great crowd, an SEC crowd. Uh, The tailgating was huge. Just surrounding the the stadium, miles past the stadium on your way into town. Traffic was bad. I hated it, but it's a good thing for UK football. You walk in and there's just people everywhere, anywhere around campus, anywhere around the stadium. Foot traffic was unbelievable. Every time I come in, based on where I park, I, I walk by Clay's famous tailgate. It's one of the hottest tailgating spots around Commonwealth Stadium. And you always get a feel for how the crowd's going to be based on how the crowd is at Clay's famous tailgate, which is right by BCTC, and all UK fans should try to pop by. But when I walked up and I saw Clay's famous tailgate just absolutely packed with people, then I knew it was going to be a good crowd inside. And it was. The students in the upper deck were a little bit late arriving, but besides that, all-around good crowd. But Kentucky comes up just a little bit short. There's uh, plenty more to talk about with this game. For example, Patrick Toll's rushing 23 times. And the running backs, I did quotations around the word running backs, JoJo Kemp, Braylon Hurd, Miguel Horton, rushed for nine attempts. Patrick Toll is your quarterback, 23 the running backs, nine. That's not okay moving forward. We'll talk more about that after the first break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, second segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker's PT Picks of the Week went 3-2 and two on the week, and I'll take it any week that you're, uh, you have a winning record versus a losing record uh, is a win. And if you're if you're listening to the sports soccer and putting uh, a little cash on those games, 
then three and two is is winning. But it could have been, yeah, uh, it could have been a lot better. Well, really, it could have been four and one. Louisiana Monroe was one of my losses, and they were a three-point favorite over Texas State. A 15-point second-half lead, a big lead in the fourth quarter, and lose that game in regulation. Not even in overtime. They lost by four in regulation. If they just hold on to that lead in the fourth quarter, we go four and one. But, Yates, you have to remind me to never pick Texas Tech again. (laughs) I'll do that. I've gotten one win from Texas Tech this year against West Virginia. They they that was one pick that we won. But they pushed against Kansas. I mean Kansas, they couldn't beat by 13 at home. And then the 23 points wasn't even close to what they needed against TCU. I mean how could you believe that score? Uh, no, that was pretty absurd. 82 to 27. It was actually a close game in the first half. Or the first quarter, rather. 24-17 in the first quarter. 82 to 27. 55 points. I Kentucky has taken some terrible losses in its the history of its football program and, and, you know, especially in the last decade, 49 to nothing loss to LSU in 2006. And there's some bad ones in between there. And then anyways, too, but to have 82 points scored on you, even if you did score 27, 82, and, and they took out their starters to start the fourth quarter. You have to think TCU could have easily put up 100 points on a conference opponent. It might be time to to think about if TCU's the real deal. But anyways, the the picks on the year moved to 23 and 15. That's solid. I can live with that. And we live to fight another day. I'm going to talk more UK football as the show goes on, but let's talk a little bit of basketball. There's more polls out and more. One poll has UK number one, ESPN's power rankings, uh, which I don't really know what that takes into consideration. Power rankings. I guess if you just use the word power in front of the word rankings, it makes it cooler. But they've got Kentucky at number one, uh, and they actually have a really cool display about how they go about it. You can go to ESPN, obviously, and find that. But they've got the Cats, number one. They've got the other Cats, Arizona Wildcats, number two. Wisconsin, number three. For me, you've got to have those three teams in your your top three. If you wanted to argue the order, I would disagree with you. But it'd be understandable. But if you had any other team besides those in your top three, it's... It's wrong, at least to start the year. Things change. There's surprises. But those are three teams that two of them went to the Final Four, returning 
the majority of their players. The other one, Arizona lost to Wisconsin in a very close game. They're returning the majority of their players. Uh, Kentucky and Arizona adding very, very talented freshmen. So you got to have those team in your top three. ESPN's power rankings have Louisville at number seven. Doug Gottlieb, who Kentucky fans aren't, they don't love him. Let's put it that way. He put out his top 10 on Twitter. I don't know if he had more than that anywhere else. I, I just saw. Just saw his top 10. Had Kentucky at number three. Had Wisconsin, Arizona, Kentucky. I don't really get that logic. Kentucky uh, beat Wisconsin last year in the Final Four. And yes, lost Julius Randle, James Young, but adding very talented freshmen and everybody's a year older. Wisconsin not really adding anybody. Everybody's a year older and maybe lost one or two guys, but returns the bulk of their production. I'm going to take the team that adds more. And if you want to have Arizona over Kentucky, I'm fine with that. I I guess I'm fine with that. Again, I I disagree, but it makes sense. Stanley Johnson's great. The best freshman in the country, in my opinion. Him or Miles Turner at Texas. Now, Doug Gottlieb doesn't have Louisville ranked and later went on to say in a tweet that he is not as high on them as others. Luke Hancock, Russ Smith are hard to replace. Well, that's a hot take, Doug Gottlieb. The Final Four MVP of a few years ago is hard to replace, and one of the best basketball players in Louisville history is hard to replace. Don't hang out too far on that limb, Doug. I think Louisville should be a top-10 team. I did get in a heated debate this weekend about who, really not even about who's better, but I was uh, kind of giving my top-10 rankings and had Louisville just a spot ahead of Texas towards the back end of the top 10. And one of my Louisville friends was insulted that Louisville and Texas could even be compared heading into this past or heading into this next season. Texas returning virtually everybody, adding Miles Turner, who uh, if you haven't seen Miles Turner play, you'll, you'll get to see a lot of them this year. Probably the closest freshman Anthony Davis type in the country. Has a build like Anthony Davis, and if clicks him for him like that, could have a season like Anthony Davis. We've got somebody texting in or chatting into the to the G chat saying Duke is top three. I, I I'm probably lower on Duke than anybody when it comes to this upcoming season. Really, I I don't I don't see it. You know, it was a team that lost in the first round last year with Jabari Parker. And I don't think they have a player like that this year. Yes, Jaleel Okafor is is really, really, really talented. Emil Jefferson will have a big year. There's they, They've got weapons. But I think Okafor is going to struggle against good college teams. You know, he'll eat up. The he'll eat up the the Boston colleges, the the bottom teams in the ACC. 
But against when he goes against other front lines that you know have more than one player, I think he's going to struggle. You know, he was on a AAU team with Cliff Alexander, two debatably two of the best bigs in the class, and they weren't that great of an AAU team. And that's not Jaleel Okafor's fault, but I, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. Tyus Jones, really, really talented, really, really quick, able to get on the floor wherever he wants. But the length of college basketball versus high school and AAU, it's just completely different. Yeah, he might be able to get by guys, but he's going to have a tough time getting shots off. And he's a good passer, and he's going to create for other guys. Duke's going to be good. I just, I don't, I don't think I'd put them in my top five. I really don't. Again, Kentucky, Arizona, Wisconsin, they're in my top three. I'd have Kansas right there as well. And then, you know, and then after that, Duke, UNC, Louisville. I think Gonzaga is a sleeper, like I've said. And then Texas, I think, should be somewhere in there. I do think Duke's better than Texas. I just don't know. I, I think Duke is right at a fringe top five team for me. I don't think they're a guaranteed top five. Uh, the Louisville red-white scrimmage yesterday. Here, I hate people that get really worked up about numbers and, and inter-squad scrimmages because one way or the, the other, no matter what happens, as long as they're scoring and as long as there's rebounding and not dead ball rebounding, it somebody's got to accumulate those stats and it's going to be somebody on your team that you're rooting for or covering. So you can't get too worked up over stats. And I promise you, when I talk the blue-white game tomorrow, I won't look too much into stats. I'm going to look into how the guys played and what I liked and disliked. And I didn't watch the whole red-white scrimmage yesterday. Uh, I've probably watched a combined two halves between the two red-white scrimmages, which kind of begs the question, how many red-white scrimmages do you need to have open to the public? I guess it's kind of getting them to go through a game atmosphere but that's what exhibitions are for. Anyways, Montrez Harrell being able to step out and, and shoot jump shots is a, a big change, and it's obviously something that I, I think is going to be part of his offensive game this this season. But Yates, I, 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 I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. I think taking him out of the paint is a, a disservice to him and his team. You know, I, I get it's nice for him to be able to hit those jump shots and make them more versatile and where you can play them. But, I, you know, for rebounding sake and offensive rebounding sake and putback sakes and, and also your guard getting in the paint and have somebody to throw an oop up to, I think you want Montrez Harrell in the paint as much as possible. Yeah, I think, I mean, having him, having him roam the perimeter and, and shoot threes is not something that you want to do on a regular basis by any means whatsoever. I mean, it, it's good if he can do it occasionally just to sort of change things up and keep the defense honest and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, you don't want to bring him outside very often. It's it's. I'm curious how much they will play him outside, especially with Louisville not having a sure thing, a surefire center. That, that will make it tougher for Montrose Harrell to leave the paint. And, and I, I loved Matt Yang last year, the player that he was turning into, and I think he'll make steps in the right direction. And, and from the little that, you know, I saw, he, he looks solid. But you probably need to 
see him do that against really good competition before you, you let Montrez Harrell kind of wander a little bit. We've got more chats coming in from the from the G chat. Stove, stove, buddy. Stove says, uh, "TJ, are you drunk? Nope, I'm not. Uh, Kansas just lost way more than Duke and has a worse recruiting class. Where are you coming up with this?" Well, you could losing Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins is probably losing more than Jabari Parker, but they have a more solid foundation. In my opinion, I don't have it all right here in front of me, but I'm a huge, huge fan of Cliff Alexander. I'm a huge fan of Kelly Oubre. I think Oubre is going to surprise a lot of people. I like Perry Ellis. I like Wayne Selden. And I'm just higher on those guys. And, I, I, you know, I guess you can make a case I'm higher on those freshmen as well than the Duke guys. I, I think Emil Jefferson's a bit soft. You know, I need to see more out of Quinn Cook. So that, you know, that, that's my take that Kansas is better than Duke. And unfortunately, the way the Championships Classic works this year, we don't get to see that matchup. We got to see it last season, uh, but don't get to see it this season. Kentucky takes on Kansas. Duke takes on Michigan State. That shouldn't be an issue for Duke to beat Michigan State. And ESPN's power rankings, they've got Michigan State 18th. But I am taking, I am taking Kansas over Duke. Anyways, uh, fun, uh, the blue-white game tonight, let's talk a little bit about that. We'll talk more about it tomorrow after we see what's going on. But John Calipari announced the platoon systems today. I was close. It wasn't too far off on what I predicted a little while back. Again, we don't know if that's going to be uh, the, the platoon system that we're going to see all season. But you're going to have on one team, the Harrison Twins, they're not going to mix those guys up. You're going to have Derek Willis, Trey Lyles, Willie Cauley-Stein, Carl Anthony Towns. That sounds like the much better platoon, in my opinion. And I don't think it's any hint that that's platoon one. I think that is platoon one for the better platoon. The second one is Ulyss and Book. They've got a good... They've got a good thing going, good bond, good chemistry. You got Poitras, Lee, Dakari Johnson, and Hawkins. Now, if I was Calipari, I would switch Dominique Hawkins with Derek Willis and have Willis on the platoon number one. Or no, I would have Hawkins on platoon number one. And Willis on platoon number three. That way, you can run three guards with Andrew, Aaron, and Dominique Hawkins if you wanted to. 
and not have to play Trey Lyles or Derek Willis at the three. Derek Willis at the three would be okay. I think he could do that. But again, I am not convinced that Trey Lyles can play the three. And in college, you are what you can defend. If you're what everybody thinks to be a four, but you can guard the three and you can guard the five, then you can play the three and you can play the five. But there's not a lot of guys that can do that in college basketball, and I don't think Trey Lyles is one. I think he could guard the five a lot more than he could guard the three. Offensively, could he play the three? Sure. But the three in Calipari system generally hangs out on the perimeter. Generally. That's not where Trey Lyles is going to need to be. And Calipari keeps talking about him being able to play the three, and I promise you he's seen more practices than I have this season. So maybe he knows more than I, but I have seen Trey Lyles a lot in high school too. And I'd be surprised if that works. But we'll, we'll see tonight. Uh, but Platoon 1, much better. I would have liked to maybe see Marcus Lee instead of Trey Lyles on Platoon 1. I think you need as many shot blockers as you can with Andrew and Aaron Harrison because they're not good defenders. And they are going to get beat. And they're going to be improved off last season. But even improved off last season wouldn't necessarily make you good. So I'd like to see as many shot blockers in that first platoon with them versus the second one that has the better perimeter defense. But, you know, we'll see. I still think this whole platoon thing is going to be scrapped by the time the Louisville game comes around. We'll have to see. We're going to head to our last commercial break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Come back and uh, plenty more to talk about in one final segment, so stick around. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. And we're back here. One final segment on a glorious, beautiful, perfect day here in Louisville in the Kentucky area. Hope you're enjoying it because some parts of Kentucky are calling for snow on Halloween, uh, which is depressing. Not good. I don't think it, Louisville is one of those areas, but it's gonna, definitely going to get chillier over the next few days. Clay B116 texts into the show. Hey, sorry, I missed the first half of the show. I was wondering if you discussed your great call on the Texas Tech TCU game. Thanks a lot, Clay B116. Again, 23-15 on the year, 3-2 and two on the weekend. Still a winner, although it was a big loser in that one, but they, they count all the same. And... Clay, if you didn't know, uh, we did talk about that, and I got Yates to basically be my watchdog on never picking T- uh, Texas Tech again. It's just I'm I don't I'm kind of drawn to Texas Tech. They're a team that throws the ball a lot, and Kingsbury is, you know, he's looks fun. Would it would be fun to play for? But not not equaling wins, that's for sure. So we did talk about that. Stove in the G-chat said, do you like UK over Louisville straight up in basketball to KFC Yum Center? 
I don't know if I can ever remember a year for UK UVL football and basketball where both games seemed so unpredictable, where you couldn't really confidently say one or the other. Uh, I would say Louisville's probably the favorite in football, and I'd say Kentucky maybe a slight favorite in basketball. But home field and home court are huge, especially home court. It's huge, especially in any rivalry game. So uh, I, I do think Kentucky is a much more talented basketball team than Louisville. But in that game in the Yum Center, it might be tough for Kentucky to win. But we're going to have to see how, you know, both teams are going to play some quality opponents before that game. Uh, we'll get a better idea where both teams stand. Uh, we still have two months till the game. But, I, but the UK fans that think that that's going to be an automatic win for Kentucky, I disagree with. Home court advantage is huge. But I do think Kentucky's a more talented team, so we'll have to see how, how it works out. Luckily, that game isn't one that creeps up. You know, Kentucky's going to get time to prepare for Louisville and get their mind set heading into a place where they're likely not to get many calls. Uh, but I look forward to that, and I, I, I certainly look forward to the football game and the rest of the football season. The, this game at Missouri for Kentucky on Saturday is absolutely huge. You win that game, you can still win the SEC East by beating Georgia, which is coming to your house. Yeah, they'd have to beat Georgia and beat Tennessee and hope Auburn beat Georgia, but all that seems, you know, Auburn beating Georgia seems realistic. So if Kentucky can beat Missouri and then have Georgia come, I mean, that's going to be an unreal setup for Kentucky. Tennessee looks bad. Go down to Knoxville, get a win, clinch the SEC East, and maybe go play in Atlanta? That's wild. But again, it starts with beating Missouri. Missouri, I think, opened as a seven-point favorite, which seems a little bit high. You know, I, I know home field should count for for something. I just don't know if that game was in Lexington if Missouri would be the favorite at all. We'll have to see, but I, I do think it was huge for Kentucky to have the game that it did against Mississippi State to be able to get some of that momentum back and know that you can play with anybody. Uh, I think that was a loss for a little bit at LSU. But, it, it you know, Missouri's a team, uh, been a very weird team. Dominated Florida. Beat South Carolina. Also just got thumped at home to Indiana, a team that has some really bad losses. Missouri also played Vanderbilt pretty tight this weekend. You know, Kentucky played Vandy relatively tight, given how bad Vanderbilt's been. But Missouri's been a strange team. They are 6-2 and two on the year, 3-1 and one in the conference. They're still... Uh, as alive as anybody in the SEC East. So this game for them is just as important as it is for Kentucky. But I, I do think that Kentucky's going to have a great chance to win on Saturday. But you got to get Kentucky's running backs more involved if you're Neil Brown. I mean, you've got a very, very talented group of running backs. You didn't have Stanley Williams, and that might have changed things for you, but you've got JoJo Kemp and Braylon Hurd and and Horton, all, all three of those guys, and four, if you count Williams, are the most skilled running back core Kentucky's ever had, since I've been alive at least. 
and you're having your quarterback run more than twice as many carries as they are. And some of this falls on the offensive line because anybody that has watched these games, the UK's offensive line has struggled big time and opened up holes. And I don't. I, I wish somebody would tell me why the Wildcat or Patrick Tolles getting the snap and running, which is basically the Wildcat, just with your quarterback as the as the carrier. I would love for somebody to tell me why that works, but opening up running holes and lanes doesn't work for Kentucky. Because I don't know. I really don't. But it does, and I think that you're going to keep seeing more of that as long as that's working. But uh, it would be nice to be able to run some designed runs to your running backs. And maybe Stanley Williams will change some of that this upcoming weekend. Mark Soup said today that he will play. Uh, that's a that's a big gain for Kentucky. It's a big uh, – they missed him on Saturday. There's no doubt about that. We're running a little bit out of time. Yates, what'd you, what do you make of our boy <laughs> – our boy Jimbo Fisher uh, and, and Carlos Williams, all this news going on with Florida State today. Uh, I don't think I've that. You kind of broke up there, Yates. What was that? I don't think I've seen that news yet. You haven't seen the Carlos Williams news? No, I have not. Okay, their, their running back, Carlos Williams, has been – the Tallahassee police is – investigating an alleged domestic battery involving Carlos Williams. And last week, Jimbo Fisher was asked about it, and he just went on this tear saying how it's ridiculous and none of those rumors are true, and whoever's coming up with those, uh, whoever's coming up with that story has their facts completely wrong. And again, kind of hinted that it's a witch hunt at Florida State, and anything they do gets blown out of proportion, and everybody's looking to pile on. just uh, and then this news comes out today uh, that he Carlos Williams is you know they they are investigating into it I, I think the the alleged victim posted on Facebook a picture of bruises and uh, this long drawn out post you know talking about how she's not going to take it anymore and going to come clean and and it, it wasn't you know it wasn't it was a pretty frightening picture. So, you know, I don't want to, nobody's been charged as far as I know. But Carlos Williams will likely travel with the team. He's practicing today. Jimbo Fisher won't talk with the media as planned. Uh, But Florida State will leave for Louisville tomorrow night. and, And if he's practicing today, it's likely... It's likely that he will travel with the team. Tim Jansen, the lawyer, the attorney, rather, that um, represented Jameis Winston during his rape allegations, has been retained uh, to represent Carlos William. It's, I mean, what a mess at Florida State. The more all this happens and the more of these stories that you, you hear You've got to start liking Louisville's chance at an upset. I mean, it, it, Jim Bill Fisher's such a loser. He just, he is. Again, he can't control what his players do off the field, but you can control how you respond to the media and how you handle things like this. And whether it's Jameis Winston or Carlos Williams, I mean, it's just been a disaster.
All right, but we're running out of time. We'll talk blue-white game tomorrow, what we see from tonight's scrimmage, and we'll preview more of the, the weekend's games. So enjoy your Monday. Beautiful weather. Thanks for listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be back tomorrow. They say welcome to the 502 Take a Georgia boy and show them how Kentucky do Uncle Freak's classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 270, over hitting two Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take